Welcome back to the No Spin Dash Zone podcast. I'm your co-host, Charlie. I am joined with my friends Isaiah. Hello. And Steven. Hi. Hello. I'm here, too. This week, we played Sega Sonic the Hedgehog, which is an arcade game that was released only in Japan. Nope, that's not true. It came here, but... Yeah, apparently... So it came here in limited supply, and apparently the uh, the cabinets that we got had different art on them, but the, like, file for the game was just the Japanese version because it was already in English. Oh, okay. Hmm. I think that's how it went. I don't know. I, I read a little bit about it, but yeah, it's not very easy to play here. Yeah, so we, we played it on an emulator. Um, <gasps> yeah, I know. We're, we're dirty emulators. Emulator, my favorite Transformer. It will, it will cause some problems, which we'll get to down the line. Uh, but uh, the thing that I bring it up for is that uh, all of the text, aside from the title and weirdly the credits, were in Japanese. Like the uh, uh, Eggman does voice acting, and he's voice acted, which is weird. Uh, but what he says is Japanese, and and Japanese text appears, and I'm like, I got no idea what this dude's saying. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's peculiar because we do have technically the quote-unquote USA version. So I don't know if the American version had English voice acting or not. If they just like. No, no. Like I said, we did. There, it came to America, but literally all it was, it was just the the Japanese version because the Japanese version already had a lot of English. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I I never had trouble understanding like what to do. I think that's an overstatement. I think you probably never had a problem understanding what text was meant to say. Yeah. There was there was no. I mean, whenever Eggman spoke, I was like, I bet he's like taunting me. But that's like about. That was about it. He's just like being a, a jerk is all. Yeah. It, I never felt like there was information that was lost in translation. Or lack of translation. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a pretty simple game. Uh, so I'm not super sure where we start with this. How did you guys feel about the artwork? The the artwork is probably the strongest suit of the game. I, I wouldn't disagree with that necessarily. I think that it's like it's really cool that it has a slightly different vibe from like the Sonic we've come to know. Yeah. It looks a lot more smooth, the sprites, just because it's an arcade, so it's not as limited by mm-hmm. the, like the Genesis is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at like the title screen artwork. You know, they're very, very, the color is like there's so a little reflections on them, but it doesn't really pop out as much. I, yeah. I, I get like, guess what I'm saying, there isn't as much gradient to it, but. The colors are brighter. You know, they're nice, solid colors, as you would expect from an arcade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, a lot of the animations are very smooth. Like, there's a bit of Eggman, like, like whipping out his finger and, and hitting a button very dramatically. Yeah, um, as which, he does in many things. He, he does it a lot throughout the franchise. Uh, and it, it looks it looks very nice. It's it's just sort of fun to watch him sassily press that button. And also, the the rings, you know, the, the rings always rotate in all of the Sonic games. Or at least most of the time. Uh, and in this game... I feel like probably they have the most frames of animation for their rotation uh, as compared to other... Yeah, they look really good. Speaking of the rings, I really like the system they have for, like... I guess it kind of feels like Crash Bandicoot, where it tells you how many rings you got and, like, how many Mm. you could have gotten. Yeah, I'm a fan of that as well. Did you guys ever get enough rings to get the bonus? I think Isaiah did one. Yeah, I did, and I'm pretty sure the bonus is just a score bonus. It's lives as well, I think. Oh, it's lives, yeah. That makes sense. But, like, lives are important. Yeah. So, yes. with that said, the health system isn't dictated by rings anymore. You just kind of have your own little meter. And things tend to hurt you more the more you go on into the game. You do uh, gain health if you pick up rings. That's true. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, it's, I guess, in a way, it's like um, the mech stages in Sonic Adventure 2, but... Yeah, it's like a slight redesign. Yeah, it is. It is cool because it's like, all right. Well, I want rings because I just don't want to die. But the amount of health you get from getting rings is so small, like compared to the amount of damage you take, especially in the later half of the game. Yeah, it's also risk versus reward because some rings are not in easy to reach places. <laughs> oh yeah, and some are even hidden inside like little obstacles. Oh yeah, like boxes. I think the first one you get is there are little mounds of snow in the icy area. Yeah. yeah. Which is the second stage. There's a there's a water area where there's like stone like squares where like this 
this snake thing is coming out. Uh, and if you, you have to get past the snake and then hit the stone, and then the snake will just like fly away and rings will come out. And then immediately after that, there's a turtle that you gotta like step on and then he'll swim away and like spit out rings as he swims. Yeah, I really like that one. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting places to find rings. And if you want the bonuses, you have to. How did you guys feel about the desert stage with the opening holes? <laughs> I loved the way that looked. I was very impressed by it. I like the way it looks. It's really hard to play on a keyboard. <laughs> it's very... <laughs> yeah. It really doesn't... I, I have no idea how, like... So th this game was intended to be played with a trackball. Yeah, it's like uh, when you play those golf games at arcades. It's that same thing. Yeah, there's a big old ball that you would, like, roll with your hand. And the direction yeah. you roll it makes your character move based on the direction and based on the speed as well. Yeah, I was going to say, not um, only the, the key thing is the speed that makes yeah. it different. Well, and also, I think there's a lot of problems with... You were using uh, a keyboard and I was using a D-pad because I could not get the control stick to work. You would hope that the control stick would be the like best case scenario here, but it didn't work. And another problem I ran into was the like just the eight directional movement. I am not positive, but I feel like this game has to have been designed for like omnidirections because of the way the, the trackball would have to be like movable in 360 degrees. I mean, I doubt that it reads 360 directions, oh, but it's yeah, probably closer to 16 or 32. Yeah, and, and, and that would still be a huge improvement over yeah. sometimes it was like, all right, well, do you want to go slightly towards this obstacle or slightly towards this obstacle? <laughs> or slightly towards running off of the level? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, and I feel like on closer inspection, uh, inspection, not expection, um, I feel like on closer inspection, uh, this is something that is still true for the trackball. It's not just the emulator. But what'll happen a lot of the time is if you go from no speed to trying to move, uh, your character will like rev up. They'll do the like arms like going back, like they're about to run forward. But they'll also move backwards as well. Yeah, they do a little hop. Yeah, which which ended up with me getting hit by more obstacles that I was trying to get away from as a result. Yeah, it's uh, it's not easy the way we played it. It does make the treadmill segments easier though. The points where they're like, run really fast to open a gate, you just hold to the right. Yeah, I I have to imagine that probably has to have been very fun. Like while you were playing with the the trackball, yeah. you're like, all right, go fast. I just freaking go wild on this wheel, you know. It it was more like a segment from like later Sonics where they kind of just let you run around for a second to catch your breath. Yeah. <laughs> Except it actually feels fun because you are doing something when in current Sonics you kind of just hold to the right. There's there's an obstacle that I just want to like compliment on on the subject of holding to the right. Uh, there's a bit where you're like running from uh, crumbling ground in like the desert area or whatever. Uh, yeah. And you're running for this crumbling ground, and then you get to the end of the section where you're supposed to uh, take a right turn or a right angle turn. Uh, and if you don't stop in time, you run into something that looks like a road, but is actually a propped up billboard depicting a road, Wile E. Coyote style. And you like <laughs> yeah. get your head stuck in it. And have to like move the trackball quickly to get out of it. And I I just thought that was such a like funny obstacle to like get in the way in the middle of this game. Yeah, this game has a Saturday morning cartoon feel for sure. Yeah, it's 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 very like it really commits to that, and I think it's a lot more charming as a result of that. Yeah, it does feel a little less Sonicy, but it certainly feels a lot like itself. If that yeah. makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> there are also uh, three playable characters. Oh, yeah, those guys. <laughs> yeah, let's go talk about those guys. So we've got Sonic, the titular character that we all know and love from the other games. His name is Sega Sonic, actually. Sega. I'm gonna have to ask you not to sass me on this. <laughs> but we're also joined by Mighty, the Armadillo, and Ray, the Flying Squirrel, and I don't think there's any difference between them. Yeah, there's no, like, mechanical differences. I think it's just, like, a visual thing, I guess. Yeah. Like the armadillo. I like to play as Mighty, but... Yeah. 
I noticed something when I was playing it earlier, right before we started recording, which is that if you play as Mighty and you fall off a cliff, your like the 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 red part of Mighty's head will uh, not fall like at the same rate as the rest of his body. Oh, so it's like a gag. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like yeah. he's wearing a hat and it falls after him. It's like when a cowboy falls off a cliff, the hat like takes a while. Yeah, <laughs> I, that that's just a good bit. I'm playing right now, and I didn't. I don't know if this is a unique animation, but I'm playing as Ray, and when I jumped off of a cliff, like on purpose, his shoes fell off, and you just saw like his <laughs> weird yellow feet. Oh, that's gross. Dude, isn't he also wearing socks? So his socks just also like whipped clean off? I guess, I don't know. <laughs> the shoes just like went away, and then his feet were yellow. And I was like, well that's peculiar. Well that's upsetting. <laughs> What I find funny is that as we're recording, like, Sonic Mania Plus just came out. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of perfect. So, Mighty and Ray are finally playable after a very long time. Yeah. Though, granted, Mighty was playable in Knuckles Chaotix. That's a whole nother barrel to talk about, but... Yeah, we'll get there. But these were characters that were introduced in this game, like... Yeah. And they're both playable again. <laughs> You know, they could have, like, used Tails for this, but they decided to just make another character, and it probably was a good idea anyway, but... Well, I think, I think like, branding-wise, it makes sense for two reasons. Number one, more characters just generally equals more profit, especially in the 90s. Like, <laughs> it, if you have more characters, you can sell more merchandise. That's just how it is. I doubt that the quantity of Ray the Squirrel and Mighty the Armadillo merchandise was particularly high at this point in time. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> it's it's really more about potential merchandise than actually like you know yeah. we gotta we gotta build people up to it. Uh, include Mighty in, for example, a 32x game. In Ray never. But so in addition to that, I think I think if they had uh, if they had made Tails one of the playable characters, then probably there would have been something about oh well why can't he fly? Like there's a lot of like a lot of obstacles happen because you fall. Like you fall and take damage as a result and also a lot of like the critical path is you get to this point and then something pushes you and you fall and get to the next segment in the level as well and since tails can fly he's basically immune to all of that at least narratively now see you say that but tails is playable in sonic 2 and he can't fly <laughs> that's true but you know whatever shut up <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, yes. I mean, I agree with you, but also the... So the reasoning behind picking these two was that they were the other planned mascots besides Sonic, right? Uh, yeah. I guess? I think they were the other ideas that were pitched for, like, anthropomorphic animals. I mean, I know there was, like, a there was like a rock band Sonic was in that had other animals, but Ray and Mighty weren't in it. Vector was in it. Oh, I thought you were going to say that there was, like, a... Like the harmonics game rock band. There was like a, a sonic rock band. <laughs> so I'm on the Sonic wiki and I'm looking at uh, Ray the Flying Squirrel's page and it says that uh, Ray was actually designed for Sega Sonic. Uh, so he did not exist beforehand. Uh, and the designer said that uh, in order to control like Sonic, uh, the new characters would have to be animals that could have the same proportions as Sonic, which, you know, Tails is much smaller than Sonic, so that, that makes sense. It also says, additionally, since Sonic is a hedgehog, a relatively obscure animal, Kusunoki wanted his uh, companions to be equally unusual, so he designed uh, an armadillo and a flying squirrel. I feel like these animals are only obscure in Japan. <laughs> I think I think the flying squirrel is a lot more common in America, but I think the armadillo is is still somewhat obscure. No, it's a pretty normal animal in the warmer climates. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I've never heard of a hedgehog before Sonic, but I've heard of like an armadillo and a flying squirrel prior. Yeah, I'd heard of hedgehogs before as well. But I mean, I like I said, I also started on games really early, so maybe Sonic was like already there. Yeah, I yeah. feel like probably Sonic was already there by the time I heard, like, by the time I actually knew what a hedgehog was, I had already been long aware of Sonic the that. I also, I was always fascinated with biology as a youngster, so I probably just looked up, like, what animals were more than you guys might have. Question, yeah. uh, of the week, or whatever, did you know, you what, know a what a hedgehog, hedgehog is? was before Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> Question of the week, what is a hedgehog? Are they real? What is... <laughs> 
a hedgehog. Actually, how about in in addition to that, which is the most obscure of the three? Hedgehog, armadillo, or flying squirrel? Yeah. You know what? I want to say flying squirrel. I'm thinking that just because it is a flying squirrel, that's the part that's a little weird, especially for, for a kid. Because you don't... Yeah. I don't think they see flying squirrels, like, in the trees at the park. Yeah. I had heard about flying squirrels as a kid, and I was like, they can do that? You're like, that's lit. Yeah, I, I was like, that. that's incredible. And then it was like, no, actually, they just fall better. And I was like, that's a lie then. You just lied to me. <laughs> you lied to me? That's That was me as a kid, learning that flying squirrels just fall a little bit better. So, yeah, you know. it's, a, it's a sad world that we live in. It, it is a sad world. Where the world. flying squirrels can't even fly anymore. So what did you guys think about the difficulty curve in this game? It was more or less exactly what I expected for an arcade, but I think probably it started too hard for me just because I didn't understand how to mentally translate the controls from a trackball to a d-pad. I mean, what I learned is that it's about picking one direction and then just tapping the two, like, <laughs> directions that aren't the... The two alternate directions, yeah. Yeah, the two directions are not the opposite of that direction. Yeah. Well, so the, the game opens up, it, it's got this, like, fun little cutscene of Sonic running, and Eggman's got, like, a, a thing with a, a mouth, like a mouth cage thing that's chasing him. A thing with a mouth? Yeah. A thing with a mouth cage thing. Yeah, on, like, tank treads. Yeah, it's a yeah. pretty, I think it's a pretty, like, normal Eggman device. I feel like it fits yeah, in. Yeah, it, it, it is. Uh, and it successfully captures Sonic, and then... Well, it, it captures whoever you're playing as, right? Yeah, it captures... Yeah, and the game is two-player as well, so it could just capture... Three-player. three, three player. It's three-player. Is it three-player? That's why there's three players, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right, for the three-player arcade game. It just doesn't look like that because we only play two-player. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so you could capture all three of them. But So it captures them, and then it puts them in a cage with like a wall of spikes slowly moving towards them. And the very first thing you control is the game tells you, oh yeah, break out of the cage. Just friggin' jump jump around against the bars to bend them and then break them while this wall of spikes is slowly going to crush you to death. And so you don't really have time to get oriented to, say, the controls. I mean, I think that that's good because that's you're supposed to be in Sonic's situation. Eggman's not like, yeah. hey, figure it out, take your, take your time. <laughs> take your time, Sonic. We, we know you like to take it slow. Yeah, it's like, hey, we know you're all about slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. No, it's like, hey, there's fire over here, run. And Eggman's yeah. like, gotcha. Uh. Well, the game does a very good job of keeping you, like, constantly in suspense and excitement. I mean, yeah, it's it's like, I, I don't know what you, a runner, I guess, but it, there's always a wall. And it's not, it's not like the regular kind of side-scrolling, because yeah. there's always, like... A thing you can see behind you no matter what and then there's usually stuff in the environment as well that tries to keep you moving besides just the whatever the themed wall for the level is yeah it's either <laughs> like a cylinder with spikes on it that's rotating towards you or floors are crumbling or tornadoes are chasing you or all three in the desert area <laughs> yeah in the desert area it is all three <laughs> Or a wall of fire. Well, it's also yeah. cool because if you aren't moving fast through the desert area, it gets harder and harder to go fast, like mm. to maintain your momentum, or regain yeah. it, rather. Basically what I mean is if you don't maintain momentum, then you end up in a spot where it's really hard to get it back. Yeah. I feel like the, the speed at which you move in the game is also fairly, like, it maintains the excitement, because you don't, you don't have to go at that pace. Like, if you slow down, the wall will actually also slow down to accommodate, but it won't stop. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think th I think that it only slows down just a little bit because it's not based on how fast you're moving. It's just based on like where you are on the yeah, screen. that's true. That's true. So if you're if you're moving at max speed, it feels like you need to move at max speed, and so it's like very exciting still. Unless you have a second player, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you have a second player, the game gets a lot harder because the person in front has a lot less control over where the center of the screen is, and so and, and so does the person in back, and so they have a lot less control over whether or not obstacles get procced at the time that they want. So there have been situations where uh, Charlie and I played it two-player, 
and there was a bit where he was slightly ahead of me and we had to climb a ladder and I got onto the ladder right as they decided to like have saw blades attach themselves to the bottom of that ladder and that just like <laughs> it just freaking got me knocked me off and killed me <laughs> yeah the saw blade ladder is next level I think that this might be the uh, funnest of the Sonic games that we've played so far I disagree why is that? I do too <laughs> why is that? What's wrong with it? Well, first of all, I mean, there's another thing about it, which is that even if we had the trackball control scheme, which the lack of it led to a lot of frustrating parts. I know, Charlie, you remember the moving logs in water section. Oh, God, I don't even, can't even remember the pain anymore. Thank God. Steven, I don't know how you felt about that section, but both Charlie and I, when I was single player, Charlie and I were playing together. Every time it was like, this is agony, and I want it to stop. Oh yeah, it was like a big uh, reason why we died a lot. Yeah. I mean, that part isn't fun. With the trackball it would be fine. But I mean, I think that there's like a lot of fun and silly things going on that feel more like exciting and gamey than yeah. uh, our... I mean, Sonic 2 has a lot of cool set pieces and stuff like that. But I feel like this game just does a better job of like putting you in situations that you feel like you need to be fast. Yeah. Well, just to just to give context for the audience, there's this, this section where you reach a river where there's a bunch of logs on the river, uh, and those logs make rafts, but they're incomplete rafts. And so you have to run uh, against the current of the river on the logs. And at least because of our control scheme, it's a section where it's very, very easy to fall off. And when you're not falling off, you are doing that thing where you're at the edge of a ledge, which just stops your movement completely. And so you end up making like backwards progress. Yeah, essentially, if, you're, if you run towards a ledge and you get to the end of it, it stops you from falling off the ledge. But then you have to push the opposite direction on your trackball to, yeah. to get out of that animation. And if you don't fast enough, you just fall off. Yeah, so it was it was a very frustrating section, and I think, you know, playing this on the arcade cabinet would probably have been a lot more fun, except for the fact that the amount of times you die in this game, and imagining each death is one or two quarters, you're spending a lot of money to keep playing this game. I mean, I'm not even thinking about it like that. Yeah, I mean, it is an arcade game, and you have to accept that going in. Yeah, I'm thinking about it as if, like, when I play arcade games right now and I'm thinking, like, oh, how much would this cost if I were in the arcade? I'd have to spend a bunch of money on it. I'm thinking about it as if I would probably spend 10 to $15, like, to play this game again or whatever. Yeah. Or even if you thought about it as, like, what if this game came out at the time and it was $60 like games are? Yeah. Like, if you think about it like that and you're just like, oh, well, I'll take $60 to the arcade and I'll be done when I've spent my $60, <laughs> then I don't think you have to worry about about the live system. Yeah, I guess so. It just, it, it very much is designed in a way, like all arcade games, especially at that time, were designed where it's like, well, we're gonna ramp up the difficulty, we're gonna make it very difficult and very punishing, because more deaths means more quarters. I kinda disagree. I think it's a lot more fair than any arcade game I've played, other than the arcade games that are like old, 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 where they're just, do this thing until you die. <laughs> yeah. Like, obviously, Pac-Man's difficulty is like... You got past round one. Round two is identical. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, this game is very good at giving you variety in terms of, like, concepts. The obstacles in function are pretty much identical throughout the game, but... Not... No, not really. The, like, falling... Not flying platforms, but the, like, breaking down of the sand is completely different from, like, oh, the... Yeah the pillars of lava that you have to like wait for a second and then jump over or you yeah. like what i found myself doing was i never wanted to not be moving so when i got to those yeah. lava pillars after i played the game a couple of times i uh started like snaking side to side until i saw oh, that the yeah. lava went down and then i hopped over it and that to me felt really fun and then there's also the segment where you have a moving platform where you think first that you have to wait for the moving platform to get to you but basically it's between like a track and then the next part of the track and there's a platform in between that moves back Back and forth so that you can hop on you never have to wait for that square no matter where it's at you can make the gap even if you can't even see the square on the other side of the screen so if you're yeah. running at full speed you can just jump and then jump and it feels really good to do that and i i have noticed that and i do agree with you i think it's one of those games where the like more familiar you are with it actually the more enjoyable it becomes 
Yeah, but I think that uh, everything it's tossing at you right away, because the obstacles might be similar when it comes to, like, the wall that's coming towards you, and just the idea of, like, oh, walk around these pillars of death. <laughs> but I, I think that the occasional, like, oh, climb up this ladder, and then the second ladder has, like, bombs on it, and then the third ladder has just spikes, or not spikes, uh, buzzsaws climbing up at you. I feel like that stuff is really fun and very simple. Yeah. It's all it's all very simple, but it comes at you so fast that it kind of doesn't matter, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't matter in terms of, like, it's fun to feel like you completed the challenge. But they definitely feel like breathing moments where it's a little easier than the rest of the game. It's the sort of game where if somebody walks away for one minute, like 60 seconds, and comes back, they're not going to recognize anything on the screen. Like, yeah. it's, you're they're going to be in a completely different situation than they were in. So, and, and I think that's cool. It, it's just very efficient at pumping out ideas, and a lot of those ideas yeah. are interesting. Well, and like the level feels like it's slow. Uh, it's like an upward slope where it shows you like, oh, this is the ground breaking down, and then it's like this is the ground breaking down with an ant line at the bottom, and you have to jump really hot. Like you have to jump a lot. You have to mash jump. It's like yeah, it's kind of like a quick time event without them putting a button on the screen. I've actually never been able to get out of that ant lion obstacle. So the way it works is either you can walk around it, which is really hard with our control scheme, or you yeah. can jump, and if you get to a point that's not just the middle and you mash the jump button, you can actually climb out of it. Okay. I've been able to, like, avoid the obstacle by more or less jumping over it, but once I'm, like, in it, it's too late for me. Yeah, you have to mash jump and just hold to the side. I've, yeah. I've gotten out of it a couple of times. Okay. Yeah, I really like when the game gives you an obstacle where the goal is to just, like, go as fast as you can, either on the jump button or just going the opposite direction. Like, yeah. I, I think that that stuff is really fun. And obviously for us, we can only go at top speed because we just have one <laughs> button. So the yeah. treadmills aren't as fun. But, like, while I was holding down the buttons, I was imagining just being a kid, like, slamming the trackball, destroying oh, yeah. the arcade machine, <laughs> trying to get out of the situation as fast as possible. I love the idea of playing this game on a trackball, especially for moments where it's like, yeah, you see this arrow that's pointing to the right? That means you just gotta roll that baby, you know? <laughs> yeah, just spin that baby. Just shake just shake that baby with both hands. I could have put that a better way. Rotate that infant. Just pick up a child. <laughs> pick up, pick up a child. Throw it across the room. Anyway, uh, Charlie, what do you think of the game? <laughs> it was okay. Like I said, the the control scheme isn't as preferable. I'd probably like to play it on an arcade machine, preferably one that I just own, so I don't have to, you know, like you said, spend twenty five dollars on it. Yeah, yeah, but then that's gonna run you more like four to two thousand dollars. <laughs> Well, you know what they say. Go to an arcade that has it and be friends with the owner of that arcade. I wonder if Galloping Ghost has it. Galloping Ghost? So, sorry, say that again. There, so there's an arcade in Chicago. A, lar a large number of the members in our podcast live in Illinois, so Chicago is the closest big city they've got. A large number of the three members in our podcast. <laughs> yeah, a large number of the three members. 60%, you might say. <laughs> a little bit over 60%. There's an arcade that I think is just outside of Chicago called Galloping Ghost, and they have a massive, massive collection. I think it's the only cabinet for Primal Rage 2, which is an unreleased sequel to a dinosaur fighting game. <laughs> is that downtown? Downtown where? In Chicago? Yeah. I think it's south. I think it's south of the actual city. I think it's in a suburb, but I'm not sure. Okay. Well, let me know that name again. I might want to check that out, because I'm going there next week. Galloping Ghost Arcade. Okay. Thank you. Galloping Ghost. The way you do it is you get, like, a card there. I don't think that you actually pay for individual arcade machines. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to look it up right now, because I guess this is relevant to our podcast for today. So, something that I want to say about this game, which I pointed out to Charlie when we played together, which is that you escaped from Eggman's trap immediately in the game, but you're still like in the situation, and you get thrown around a while, and you get launched up into the air, and it shows you falling into this like large environment that has a bunch of different biomes in it, and that actually, and in mode seven zooms zooms in over time, and that environment is actually the world map. Uh, and the rest of the stages, like, it shows you the different areas. All of those areas can be seen in that image that is slowly zooming in as, as you fall. I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a good flavor, Sitch. Flavor, Sitch. Love a good map like that. Although I thought you didn't like those maps because it's like, I... it shows you where you can't go there anymore, remember? That's what you said about Sonic 1. Yeah, Isaiah. I thought you hated it. Look, I don't like it when a game is fun, so actually... 
make all games not fun anymore. No, I, I, I typically don't like that, but this game is so short that it kind of doesn't matter. Like, if I want to go back and replay a stage, I just boot up the game, and anywhere between 0 and 10 minutes later, I am at that stage. Yeah, isn't that fun? Yeah, like, it's, it's a very fast game. I never feel crestfallen when I lose at this game, because it doesn't take me two years to get back to where I was before. Yeah, that is that is a plus. It's very much like, it's a condensed game, because yeah. there's a lot going on within all of that, like, probably 20 minutes that the game takes takes up. It feels like a great experience to me. I think I think this game is super fun. Yeah, I, I would absolutely love to play this with a trackball. Yeah. Sonic games don't always have great control schemes anyway. Like, we've all played Sonic Adventure 2, and we can pretend that that game controls well. I will comment on that <laughs> later, but not right now. <laughs> but anyway, my point is, I figured out how to like work around the controls, and like, yeah, I fall over sometimes, but... Don't we all? You can also just pump up the credits, so like, I, I think it's fun even when you fall over. I think the game doesn't, like, punish you so hard. Yeah. Someone else that, that I think is worth mentioning, which is that the music is, like, genuinely not bad. I don't know if I would classify it as good. Um, well, it's not Genesis I music. Like, I, yeah. I think that's the first thing that you have to kind of just acknowledge. Yeah, I don't really remember it. It's not Genesis music, but it, it tries really hard to be Genesis music, you know? Okay, I think that there's something you in particular miss about, like, the way music was made in the 80s and 90s for video games. That's probably true. Because it's based on pop music. Like, yeah. a lot of what you're hearing on the Genesis, and to a lesser extent, the Super Nintendo, is just based off of, like, pop music of the era. Yeah. So I don't think this arcade machine is trying to be based on Genesis music. I think it just also happens to sound like pop music, that era. I am not as familiar with 90s pop music as I should be to be an expert in Sonic the Hedgehog's early years. Oh, it would be more, it would be more late 80s than 90s, but... Late 80s? Yeah, I could see that. These games were coming out in the 90s, but they were still reflecting the music that was a little older. Yeah, that makes sense. But, uh, yeah, that's why, like, the whole Michael Jackson and Sonic 3 thing, like, makes complete mm. sense to me, because that's yeah. like, oh, it imitated Michael Jackson, and now we'll actually achieve Michael Jackson. <laughs> we have achieved Michael Jackson. So yeah, I'm at the Galloping Ghost website. They have a collection of more than 450 arcade games. Jeez. Do they have Sega Sonic? I d okay. I don't know. They. I think they do have a list, but I'm not sure how to reach the list. I think they have like a Google Doc with all of their... I'm gonna check. Oh, oh, it's not even a Google Doc. It's just right here. Okay. I'm gonna control F this situation. Uh, yeah, they do have Sega Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, cool. Well, I know what's happening next week. <laughs> yeah, let me let me know how that goes. Oh, they've got like a score tracker and everything. Mm, incredible. Yeah, honestly, let me know if uh, like it's any better. The game plays better. I mean, it's gonna be better, but let me know how much better it is, basically. Uh, yeah. So the game is rated at a uh, difficulty level of two out of four. Wow. Ooh. That is a weird rating system out of four. I think that that's the in-game... <laughs> I think that's the regular in-game settings, I think is what they mean. <laughs> like, I think you can go in-game and change things from the test menu. Okay. Like, I think you can double your life and increase the difficulty. Because basically, I think it was like, it allowed arcade owners to, like, make the game harder just to get money, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Which is kind of cool, I guess, because it means that, like, it's not just stupid hard. Electronic Gaming Monthly gave Sega Sonic a perfect score of 10 out of 10. That's interesting. I mean, I agree. I think it's the, probably the funnest arcade game I've played. It said that the game, quote, shatters your perception of what a good game should be. Okay, let's, let's replace good game with good arcade game. And then we're perfect. <laughs> then we've got it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure this is probably... I'm not that familiar with Electronic Gaming Monthly, given that <laughs> almost certainly it is no longer in print. It is still <laughs> in print. <laughs> the, the fact that you can even use the phrase in print to describe it is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. So apparently the man with the top score on Sega Sonic the Hedgehog at Galloping Ghost Arcade used 16 tokens to get his score. That's crazy. 
So, I think we are at the point where we can talk about the final stage of this game, which is the segment where... Well, first of all, you have like an industrial area like at the end of most Sonic games, where we talk we yeah. talk about the buzzsaws that climb up the wall. There's also like these cool little like slammy things. I don't know how to... Yeah. They, they have like spikes and yeah. they're like little gates that slam down on you. It's, it's like a, a dude holding up a box and he lifts his arms up in the air and the box is not on the ground so you can go, but then he slams the box down on you and crushes your face. Except he's not a dude, it's just a... Yeah, it, it, it's just a metal, like, thing. Yeah. Well, I just, that's the <laughs> really dumb visual that I came up with impromptu to explain it. And also the box has spikes in, in my explanation. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so yeah. there's uh, that. <laughs> but yeah, at the end of the game, after a short industrial level, you climb up a little hill a little slope, and then Eggman is right there, and he's like, oh my god, it's Sonic, and then he runs away and hits like a self-destruct button, and you have a limited time to just get down a hill. Yeah. And if you if you don't do that, it's not that you like lose lives, you just don't get to beat the game. Yeah, it's, it's just an end state. It just goes, game over, doesn't matter how many credits you have, what, you put in a bunch of quarters? Well, you lost all of that. So get wrecked. Well, I mean, you still like you still get a score, I think. I don't know, but there's yeah. a little sequence that you see at the end. What's yeah. funny about that is that I wasn't sure, so I looked this up. But that's exactly what Sonic the Fighters does in its last boss. That if you don't beat him in time, it's just like you're done. So I don't know if this is a common thing in arcade games or at least Sega arcade games, just kind of screw you over in the last thing. But I just found that interesting. With Sonic the Fighters, you have a limited amount of time, but I don't remember when I played and. We'll, we'll get to it, but when I played it, I don't remember that it was actually hard to beat him. It isn't, but like, I've had, there was like one time I didn't do it. It's it's not terribly hard, but you can mess it up if you're not careful. Well, and you guys were also not playing the arcade version. You were playing yeah. probably like the port of the Sega Saturn version, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Sega Saturn version that never came out. I thought it was a Sega Saturn game. No, it was quietly canceled. Oh... Uh... Quietly cancelled is the name of my new concept album. Never mind, it's never coming out. So, good, I think it's also one. worth... Thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's also <laughs> worth mentioning that because we, we play with a D-pad instead of trackball, probably that section was significantly harder for us, or at least noticeably harder. I beat it my second try. I don't know how many... Did you guys go back and try to beat it again? Yeah, I, I did not beat it when I was playing alone, and... Charlie and I did not beat it when we played it together, but we went through the game uh, a second time, and then we just had one of us drop out right before we got to that section so that the camera would cooperate fully, and we were able to beat it that time. Yeah, I don't think it's super hard, but I definitely don't think it's the kind of thing that you'll beat right away the first time you get there, but I think that's yeah. kind of cool, because if you're at an arcade and you're only visiting for that one time, like, I don't know, for some reason you're at, like, a Dave & Buster's, and you're never going back... <laughs> <laughs> if you get to this stage in the game, I don't think you'll be heartbroken because you still got to the end. But if you're, yeah. like, going to be playing the game a lot, I think it's really helpful because it gives you a new goal to reach. Like, there's a reason to play again. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And, I mean, obviously there aren't, like, Chaos Emeralds or anything, but it does feel kind of like that where you played the game, but then the end of the game was like, try it again, but this time make sure you get here. And I, I think that's good. I think it adds just, like, one little layer of depth to the game. Yeah. The other thing is, this final section is not filled with obstacles, it's just a, a downward slope that changes right angles every once in a while. And the other thing about it is that every once in a while there's a string of rings, but they're always in a different section of the path. Or whenever you encounter them, they're in a different section. So if you, like, are really dedicated to score, you can spend a very small extra amount of time getting them, and that's, like the largest risk-reward of all time, because if you spend too much time trying to get rings, it doesn't matter. You get a game over. Yeah, it, it reminds me of the City Escape segment where you're running from the truck. Yeah, absolutely. I think overall, even if you guys don't think that this game is the funnest game that we've played so far, you can agree that like playing it in an arcade as a kid would probably be super fun. Yeah, I, pr I probably would have enjoyed it. Did you, wait, hold it. So did you did you guys just flat out not enjoy it this time? Because you played it a second time, so I'm sure you had some fun. This this was a game that every time I played it, I enjoyed it more than the last time. And I started out not liking the game at all. I, I hated it at first. And I have come around to it. How about you, Charlie? Did you hate the game? 
I didn't like it, but I guess I didn't hate it. Did you find yourself enjoying it more and more as you played, or did you just, like, not want to play it anymore? I kind of got sick of it, honestly. That's interesting. I, I would have never described myself as getting sick of it, even during the segments where I, like, wasn't enjoying it. I still wanted to know what was going to happen next, because it was always interesting what was going on on the screen. Mm. I like how they start you out in a volcano. Yeah, that is not where most games start you out. It's very aggressive. You're like, oh, this is, we're, we, mean, we mean business right now. Yeah, I think the game is, like, more aggressive than most games. Or at least more aggressive while still being sort of childish, like, in a good way. You mean just, like, kid-friendly or, like, silly? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kid-friendly and silly and also aggressive. Yeah, well, it's just, like, an active game. It's like, you turn on the game and then you go, and that's good, because I hate when there's nonsense. But I don't think a lot of arcade games have nonsense, but this game also just, like, while you're going, interesting things are going on. This was 1993. What are other arcade games? 1993. Mortal Kombat 2. <laughs> you don't say. Sega Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, I already knew that one. Super Street Fighter 2. You know, the yeah, the two arcade games of 93, Sega Sonic the Hedgehog and Mortal Kombat 2. Yeah, I mean, with, with the exception of the two non-Sega Sonic games that I just listed, it's mostly games that I either don't recognize or know that I don't like. I could see me in an arcade game in 1993, me in an arcade in 1993, I could see myself spending a lot more time on Sega Sonic than any other game in the building. I could see that for sure. So, Charlie, what do you think about the game was off-putting to you? I think maybe the most problem I had was the control I had on it, especially with like a keyboard, because it's basically being recognized as the trackball constantly being spinning at possibly at high speed. It's very... There's no way to have that feeling, and it just wasn't a good experience. I can't, like, take that away and say, yeah, it was a fun game, because I, it's really hard for me to separate that. I don't know, the gameplay was just a little repetitive. I guess that's a lot of arcade games, but I just, I didn't have fun with it. That's fair. I think that not having fun because of the trackball is definitely real. But I think that, it, like, it's clear enough what's going on in the game, that even if you can't, like... I think what we got from it is enough for us to glean what it would have been like to play it. I think is what I'm saying. Mm. And for me, that's like kind of enough because I, I mean, I play a lot of games that don't feel super great, but flavor is enough for me to enjoy a game. And this game is packed with flavor. Yeah, I think I agree. But I'm interested to see or hear uh, what you have to say about it if you do end up getting to go play it because that'd be really cool. Yeah. Uh, in case anyone is wondering, the Galloping Ghost Arcade, a weekend pass. Oh, it's a full week pass. It's fifty dollars, which I, that to me that doesn't sound that bad if if, if they have four hundred. Arcades or arcade cabinets. Yeah, 400 arcades for a full week pass. I mean, like, you're paying for not doing anything but this for a full week, which is. That's, that's the biggest cost, really, but... Yeah. You can get an annual membership for $400, and you can get a lifetime membership for $3,000. Jesus. $3,000 one-time fee. Yeah, if you pay $3,000, I guess you can just go into the Galloping Ghost Arcade whenever and just play video games. <laughs> Incredible. So wait, how does it work? Do you have to go in there and then pay money, and then you just play as many games as you want for a day, or what? Well, yeah, like, I, I think if you get the week, week membership uh, for seven days, you just... Just any time over the course of that week, you can just pop in and play games. Yeah. When did arcades become a freaking ski resort? It says that, uh, a long time ago, it says that <laughs> passes can be purchased at the front counter or over the phone. So you can pay in advance or you can, I think you can just pay at the door. Hmm. Uh, they're open from 11 a.m. to 2 a.m., which is pretty intense hours. That is pretty intense. They serve alcohol there? Uh, I don't know if they do food and drink. It looks like they have something. I don't know. I'd imagine that their building is largely taken up by cabinets, because you probably can't have more than 100 cabinets on one floor. Yeah. So, I'd imagine their building is either, like, really wide or several stories high. Gotcha. 100 cabinets? I, I mean, it does depend on the size of the building, but... But yeah, I've wanted to go to Galloping Ghost Arcade for a while, but I never found a group that was, like, able and willing to go. So maybe we'll do that someday. Maybe someday. But yeah, Galloping Ghost Arcade, check it out. Potentially the biggest arcade in the world, I don't know. This show is not sponsored by Galloping Ghost Arcade, but we absolutely could be sponsored. Apparently, Maximilian Dude visits the arcade on occasion. What a dude. Alright, I don't know who that is, but... You don't know who that is, Isaiah? He's he's really Maximilianing. He's a fighting game guy on YouTube. He's a 
fighting game? Yeah, Maximilian Pegasus visits the arcade. Yeah, yeah the Yu-Gi-Oh! arc villain Maximilian Pegasus loves arcade games. <laughs> except that he's dead right now. Oh, dude, spoilers. I haven't gotten that far. Well, in that case, he's only in the Shadow Realm. Are we in the uh, thumbs phase of this podcast? Yeah, 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 yeah sure. <laughs> Alright, alright. Char- Charlie, thumbs up, thumbs down. The concept of Sega Sonic the Hedgehog. Not necessarily playing it on an emulator. I'll give it a thumbs up, I guess. We'll just leave it at that. Alright, thumbs question mark for Charlie. It's it's up, but it's like it curves like a like a question mark. It's Oh, that's painful. I, okay, oh, Isaiah, where's your thumb? I, I on take this? it back. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Alright, I was thumbs up from the get-go. Yeah. I, I was very excited to play this game, and I, I was not disappointed. For me, it is very much like the more I play it, and and I think also this conversation as well, like, the more I, the more I enjoy it and the more I appreciate it. And I think I would probably love to play it on an actual arcade cabinet. Or even just with the joystick would probably improve it pretty vastly. Yeah. I could imagine that playing it with, like, a flight stick would be interesting. <laughs> oh boy, it certainly would be. But yeah, so overall we agree that this is a pretty solid game in the in the franchise, if not the best Sonic game ever. Is this the best Sonic game ever made? No. <laughs> Spoilers. Of all the Sonic games that are incredibly difficult to play, not like hard to... Just, just hard to get a hold of. Yeah, like actually start playing. Yeah. This is better than like Chaotix, I think. It's better than Labyrinth, for sure. <laughs> yeah, like... I, I think that it might be the best of the ones that I haven't played yet, but we'll yeah. we'll see. Uh, where do you rank this on the list of games that we've played thus far? I would say this the scale goes down like this. It goes Sega Sonic the Hedgehog, yeah. Sonic 2, Sonic 1 Game Gear or 16-bit or however you want to talk about it. Yeah. Base Sonic, and then Sonic 2 for the Game Gear by a far stretch is the worst game I've ever played. <laughs> Yeah, that's very similar to my list. I would swap Sonic 2 with Sega Sonic, and aside from that, it's pretty much alright. What about same. Oh, okay, so you guys have the same exact list. Cool. I'm wondering if, like, your experience with the arcade version, Charlie, is going to change the way you think about Sonic for the rest of your life. Yeah, well, we'll see. I'll give you the updates. Yeah, keep us posted. I wish that we got a little bit more character for Mighty and Ray. Yeah, I mean... They do sort of express character in their voice acting and animations, but it's very minimal. Well, and, like, the animations are more or less just silly things that happen to them, not necessarily anything unique yeah. to them. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I just kind of wish that we had, like, a Tails thing where there's something to hold on to that, like, makes it clear what the relationship between Tails and Sonic is. Mm-hmm. But, like, if during the intro sequence, like, Mighty punched Sonic's shoulder and, like, Ray rolled his eyes at them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mighty really is just pre-Knuckles, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. But, like, wouldn't that be cool if you, like, punched him in the shoulder and it showed that he was, like, full of energy and Ray the Squirrel is just full of sass and Sonic is, like, stuck in the middle? Can you believe these guys? They want to be, they want to be mascots. They'll never make it. What a laugh. Never what seeing laugh. them again for 20 years. All right. I think that wraps it up for our episode, more or less, though. Yeah. Next week, we'll be playing Sonic CD. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Oh, God, I forgot. Where are we at on the thermometer? Give me it in Celsius. I played Sonic CD fairly recently, so I have opinions on this game. What's your What's your temperature in Celsius on Sonic CD and playing it for the podcast? My temperature in Celsius is about 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, my God. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Charlie? What's your temperature on Sonic CD in Celsius? Uh, mine's about, like, 15. I just want to take a moment right now to say I have no idea what's good and what's bad on the temperature situation. Are you hot or cold about it? Okay, but, like, is too hot bad? <laughs> I'm sweating over here about Sonic CD. No, I think hot means like you're really excited for it, and cold means you're like really dreading it. In life, a certain temperature is good, and if you go too far down, you die, and if you go too far up, you die. So like... I will never die. Don't put that on me. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. 
You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> I okay. So here's here's my opinion on Sonic CD. Sometimes it's zero degrees and sometimes it's a hundred degrees. It's too hot and too cold. I think that no matter what. I'm going to love listening to the music in Sonic CD. <laughs> I don't know how Celsius works. Zero degrees Celsius is freezing. Freezing, 100 is boiling. 30 degrees Celsius is like 90 degrees, I think, or something. Oh, jeez. 30 degrees Celsius is like, alright. I have no metric for what is too hot in Celsius for like a human person. So I'm just gonna say hot and cold, yes and no. I would even go so far as to say uh, in and out. I think we're all ready for Sonic CD as a podcast yeah. and hopefully as a as the listeners of the podcast. So we'll be back next week. Are we doing plugs? I mean, sure, yeah, if you want. Yeah. I, we have a Twitter account for the podcast. Oh, There's also, we also have an email account. Ooh. All of that stuff will be listed with links. Okay. Is there anything you guys want to talk about? Hi, I'm Isaiah. You can find me at twitter.com slash IsaiahGames. That's I-S-I-A-H Games. I'm a game developer. I occasionally tweet about game development, but most of the time, I just tweet pretty bad jokes, so you should follow me and see those. It's kind of like the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very... oof. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> Alright, no, no one else plugging anything? I mean, you can talk about Blast Labs if you'd like. Blast Lab. Yeah, you should also follow my company Twitter, Blast Labs, twitter.com slash Blast Labs, B-L-A-S-T-L-A-B-S. That doesn't tweet as much right now. That might change, but that mostly tweets official tweets that my company is friggin' working on stuff for. Right now it's mostly retweets. You tweet a little bit more during game jams, right? That's kind of what it's there yeah, for. Yeah, a lot of times I'll be like, yeah, I did a game jam and I'm tweeting about it. But I tend to still tweet from my personal Twitter, too. So if you want to see both game dev stuff and bad jokes, follow me. If you want to just see the game dev stuff, follow Blast Labs. All right. Also, the email for the podcast is just nospin-zone at gmail. There's nothing fancy about it. All right. Sounds good. So if you want to if you want to email us, that's how you should do it. If you want to email us. I'll be keeping up with the email. Send us your hate mail. I love, dude, hate mail is my favorite part of interacting with the world. To be clear, I'm not saying write hate mail to us. I'm saying take hate mail that you've received and send it to us. We want to see it. If you hate me, I will gladly take the hate mail. <laughs> if you hate me, please tell Steven and not me. Because he will gladly take it still. <laughs> Send all hate mail to nospin-zone at gmail.com. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening. Bye. 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 We'd like to thank the LAG Network for making our episodes available on platforms like iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and lots more. If you're listening on YouTube and you'd like to keep up with our episodes on one of these audio platforms, just search for the LAG Radio Network and follow their feed.